Welcome to StarPod, a Star Trek book club, where me and my co-host... Me? Uh, TJ. <laughs> and uh, you're Gage. <laughs> and I'm Gage. We talk about Star Trek Voyager episodes, because I have only watched a couple of them as a child with my dad, and I don't remember anything about it, and TJ I, loves them. I have watched all of them multiple times. Yes, so my yeah, my memory of this show is sitting in my dad's lap, turning it on, just watching random episodes. I remembered a couple characters, like Janeway. I know Seven of Nine shows up, because I liked her. I remember the Doctor and Neelix, but I don't really remember any of the other characters or anything that happens other than that they were lost in space. That was a lot of things to have remembered. <laughs> Oh, it was 20 years ago. Yeah, exactly. You have a great memory. Well, it came out in 1995, so I think we were watching it in its original run, and I remember when it ended and a new one started, and I was really confused. It was like what introduced me to new like iterations of TV shows, because we were watching it, and I just I knew Star Trek, and there was a different captain, because I think it was, what, Next Generation that came next? Enterprise. Enterprise. Scott Bacala. Yeah, Enterprise. And I was like, well, what is this? Where's Janeway and, and the Doctor and, and Neelix? And uh, my dad's like, oh, this is uh, another Star Trek. And I was like, well, wh- what happened to the old one? I like that one. But, because uh, I never saw, like, Next Generation or uh, the definitely never the original. Um, but my dad was very into them, so... Yeah. You were at peak Star Trek watching time at this point in the Star Trek universe. They had just finished uh, The Next Generation. Deep Space Nine was, was going for like three years, and this is the third third one that like in a row. So uh, the first episode actually takes place. It starts off on Deep Space Nine, which is running simultaneously. Yeah, so- I looked at like a, a timeline of all the shows and... I think this one's what one of the latest ones, yep. as far as it's because it's in like twenty four hundred and seventy or something, and the original was like twenty three hundred. Oh, I have no idea. The Star Trek timeline is like, uh, <laughs> uh, it is it is it is deep and vast, and there are a lot of things that are in it. But uh, I was thinking, uh, you know, like order of like in on on Earth in our current time, we had. The original series came out in the 60s, uh, Next Generation came out in like the, the late, the early 90s, late 80s, uh, then it ended as Deep Space Nine came on air uh, in the middle of the 90s, it was on for two years, Voyager comes out uh, and goes, and then eventually they they do the last one, which was Star Trek Enterprise. Ah, uh, okay. And now I know they keep making movies, which it seems like some people like and some people don't. But uh, is there any TV shows of Star Trek that's happening anytime in the last ten years? Yeah, they there are actually several. Uh, there is Star Trek Discovery. There is Star Trek Picard, which is a reboot of the Next Generation. It's a, a gritty reboot. Gritty reboot. Uh, with Picard, uh, and I think they they came up with a, like a I think an animated one called The Lower Decks, which is it focuses more on the, you know, not not the captains, but the 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 lowly worker. And it's, yeah, it's more so fun. I'm, advertisement for that on something recently it looked like a, it looked like people who like star trek probably wouldn't like it i don't know they they do an episode i think it's on voyager called it might be on the next generation called the like ensigns of command or something like that where they basically do that on the show they just go through like what's it like being a day uh what's it like being just a regular joe on the enterprise hmm well so I guess before we talk about the episode, I, I want to ask, uh, 
if I am remembering correctly, the differences in the colors on their uniform. You got the reds, the yellows, and the blues. And the blues is obviously like the doctors and engineering. Uh, not, I think it's just, uh, I don't know, actually... I know the doctor wears blue, because I'm looking at a picture of him, but... So, let me, let me take you through the, the uniforms, uh, colors, because I'm looking at the, the people here, and, uh, it's, it's, it does not follow the traditional, uh, the traditional way. So, originally, yellow was command... Red was uh, engineering and, I guess, security, and you, you might be f familiar with the famous joke of the red shirts. Yeah. Uh, they're just people who were wearing red shirts, and they instantly died. And then blue were, were science officers, so medical and then, you know, Spock. Uh, and then in the next generation, you get its uh, red becomes command. Uh, now, why do you think they changed that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, pretty much uh, the the uniforms: red is command, yellow is engineering, science, security, uh, and then blue is going to be like medical people, maybe some like of your 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 non-engineering types. Um, but just looking, we've got the the pictures here. She does engineering. He is the chief security officer, and maybe call that operations, I guess. Oh yeah, you know, I think I think my wife Caroline looked it up and. I remember operations being one of the, the the differences. I was just I was just trying to figure out exactly the uh, the differentiation between reds, yellows, and blues, but I, I figure it will uh, be more obvious as I watch more episodes. Yeah, the the lines kind of have blurred and changed over, but yeah, red is typically people who are like in command, so first, second officer, captain. Yellow, uh, engineering, security in this case, and blue is you know sciencey doctor stuff. Okay. So, okay. Well, let's then talk about the first episode, Caretaker. Um, it, it did start with, from, you know, this, this synopsis I'm reading, and from what I remember, basically the beginning of a uh, movie of Star Wars where it was, like, scrolling text and explaining, you know, who the good guys and the bad guys are, I guess. Uh, and they... Yeah, I think the the whole point of that was to give you some context if you had not watched Deep Space Nine, because that is kind of this one of the central conflicts uh, that takes place there. Uh. And that that, like I said, had, was in I guess starting its third season as this came out. So, well, yeah. So I obviously didn't watch it, but I I learned. Uh, I think it it had a scene of um, who who is it Chicote and some of his people on a ship and they're running from the federation of the good guys <laughs> they're running well i guess they're not bad guys but they're like what rebels all right yeah so the essentially the cardassians are basically lizard nazis right okay they're they're oppressing these people called the bajorans uh and basically the federation they they signed a treaty and so the cardassians are doing some like kind of shady stuff to the bajorans uh, you know and people are like, this sucks. Why aren't, why isn't the Federation doing anything? And this creates this splinter group called the Marquis. And they're basically like, well, if the Federation isn't going to do anything, we're going to do anything. And they basically become, uh, you know, like Starfleet terrorists. And uh, the, the whole uh, conflict is basically uh, there are these Marquis people kind of doing, you know, uh, guerrilla warfare stuff. The Cardassians are like, yo, Starfleet get your people under control, and they're like, hey, these people are unsanctioned. 
Um, and that's kind of where that takes off from. So they're just the, 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 rebels, they're on, the rebels on the edges and fringes of society. Well, so they're on their ship. It's got Chakotay and Tuvok and uh, Balana, Taurus, and a couple other people uh, flying around, running from the guys, and then they uh, they go into a plasma storm to try to escape, and then it, I think it that was the cold open. It hits the, the intro, and then you see... Janeway, uh, who is the captain, and I always liked her because uh, you you said earlier that she had third grade teacher energy, and she she really does. I like her. She seems like a really nice lady uh, that I would like as my captain. And she's on a prison colony, which looks like just a nice forest. Yeah, it uh, does say that it's in New Zealand. Oh, it does say it's in. <laughs> I thought that was a joke. Uh, that's an interesting place to put them. But she goes up and talks to Tom Paris, who I thought for a long time was the actor who plays Jorah in Game of Thrones, which I don't know if you've watched it. I have not seen Game of Thrones. But Too busy watching Star Trek. He looks just like one of the main characters from Game of Thrones. It is not him, but he does look like him. Um, and they explain he was, uh, I guess, part of the Marquis, maybe on that ship, I guess? And they're his people? Yeah, I think the it was they were trying to say that he was he had joined the Marquis and then like one weekend got got captured. So he was like kind of affi- he was loosely affiliated with the Marquis. Yeah, so that's why he's in prison now because they they got him away. And Janeway's like, "Yo, we need you. For some reason, you can help us find them." They flew into a plasma storm. Not really sure the logic there, but that's just how you move the plot forward. And so he's like, "Fine, I'll do yeah, they, it." They flew in like <laughs> and like instantly got owned. Yeah, they did. And, uh, so, so he gets on the ship and everyone's like, oh, you know, not happy with him because he's a, a bad guy, but he makes friends with, uh, Kim, uh, on the, uh, I guess they're on a space station or something. They are on Deep Space Nine. Oh, is that a space station? Yeah. Yes. Which is a space station. I thought Deep Space Nine might've been a place. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I forgot that I've said that several times, and you have no idea what that is. <laughs> so that well, so they're on the space station, and uh, Kim is getting grifted by uh, a a Ferengi, which I think is a racial slur. <laughs> so I actually want this scene. I, I actually wanted to. Uh, I don't know if this is going to fit into the format or whatever, but I did want to ask you like how this scene landed for you because I've seen all of the Star Trek episodes like multiple times. So this scene that happens, I know the character of Harry Kim very well. I know who this Ferengi is. This isn't just some Ferengi. This oh, he's is, not just some guy. Yeah, he is like a. This is a, this is like a cameo that Harry Kim is like. This is this is a scene. This is a guy named Quark who is like a major character in the show Deep Space Nine. Oh. Um, so I'm curious how it landed for you because like me seeing it, I know all these characters, and I'm like, oh, this is this is classic Quark. But for you, it like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he. Uh... He's trying to grift them and sell them some like crystals or something, and say that it's the, it's like the best crystals. And uh, did this that, scene like? How did it make you feel? like? Were you like, oh, this is kind of a weird scene, or? I think they were obviously trying to set Kim up as being like a, a naive, young ensign because it's he's his a first, little green. He's a little green. We said it's his first mission, and the, the Ferengi or Cork, I guess his name is. I don't know if I'm allowed to say Ferengi anymore in two thousand. You are. That is actually the name of the race. Oh, okay, so it's not a racial. <laughs> it's not a racial slur. Uh, he he's trying to trick him and say you need to buy some of this to give your mom to commemorate your first mission, which is you know it feels like when I was in Vegas and some guy was trying to sell me his mixtape. Um, <laughs> And so he's like, no, 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 I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do it. And 
then he uh, he calls him a Ferengi or something, and the guy's like, whoa, this dude just called me a Ferengi. And then Paris comes up and kind of, like, pulls him out of the situation. He's like, hey, guy, quit trying to... Hey there, good looking. Yeah, quit trying to scam my, my good buddy uh, Harold Kim over here. And so he develops a friendship with Kim. That's a, another thing that I noticed here on Rewatch is that uh, the sexual tension between Harry Kim and uh, Tom Paris is is high. Uh, like there, uh, there's a lot of like it's very flirty between them. Like later on, uh, like uh, we'll we'll talk about it. But like they, they give each other like eyes. Like it, it's it's really like they're 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 like on a date. It's 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 cute. It was really bold of uh, Star Trek to have a gay relationship <laughs> in the '90s. Uh, Real, real. I mean, you know, they they are always venturing to, to new frontiers. So. Yeah, breaking down barriers. Uh, so yeah, then they leave to get on the ship, and um, you know, people are just giving Paris the cold shoulder. Do we want to talk about the uh, the scene with Tom Paris and uh, the Betazoid lady, where he's basically just like, "Hey, oh, toots." Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, that one um, got me and and Caroline pretty good. I was like, "Wow, that's this is the '90s, baby." I. I she was like cringing at it. I was like, "Hey, get ready. That's gonna probably happen a lot, because it was fine back then to just come up and be like, hey, sugar tits. Well, how's it going?'" I, I don't. I don't <laughs> think that it, it happens too often. But uh, yeah, this first episode had a lot of things that did not age very well. I mean, they had to. They had to draw people in. I said, "Look, our show's got racial slurs and sexual advances, unwanted ones." And I mean, it really helps solidify Tom Paris as a certified A plus bad boy. Yeah, he's 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 the he's the Han Solo. He's the bad guy with a heart of gold, uh, bad boy with a heart of gold. But yeah, so they they uh, then depart, and I I did notice, uh, and this is throughout the whole episode. Um, this show cuts out a lot of like travel time. If someone says like, "Hey, we need to get going. We got to get on the ship so that we can make the the trip." The next scene is them after the trip is done, and they're like, "Okay, we're here." And I'm like, you know, that's pretty nice because, again, you didn't watch Game of Thrones, but it had a, it suffered from a distinct problem of if someone in episode one said, "Hey, we need to make the trip," and episode nine is when they would get there, and the story was about the shit that happened along the way. Whereas this show is like, no, we're going uh, on a six month journey, and now we're there, and uh, so it's it's actually kind of nice, you know, when they when they say we need to get down to engineering. You don't see them walk to engineering. <laughs> they just enter the next door and they're there. Uh, so, Which is good because they, they can move faster than light. Um, so I don't know how long uh, most space flight would take. Uh, but uh, yeah, they, they don't make you watch that because it wouldn't be particularly interesting. Sometimes they do though. Sometimes it just depends. They, they use it as a plot device sometimes. Uh, it's like, oh, it'll take us, you know, three days at maximum warp to get there, and then you, you have an adventure that happens maybe, like, on the ship while they're they're in transit. But... Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I like that because it, um, you know, th- I mean, this first episode could be an entire season of another TV show, and... A lot does happen. They, they cram it into an hour and a half uh, or two hours with commercials, which is, which is nice because, you know, you get a lot of adventures happening, and... Uh, but yeah, so I, I did notice they do that a lot where they just, they say, we need to get over here and boom, they're there, which is great. Um, so, uh, they get there, uh, to wherever this plasma storm was. The Badlands, which I feel like maybe they were just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know what? It doesn't matter. We're only going to be here for a couple of minutes. Uh, uh an interesting name. Uh, it's funny that they have named 
so many places out in the middle of space, which is the largest place, and yet they bother naming uh, the areas. But yeah, they go to the Badlands, <laughs> and um, I don't remember if they see anything, but they—I mean—they dive in headfirst into the storm, and. Luckily, there was a, a malevolent force out there because they went in and immediately got owned by the. the they would not have survived. It seems. Uh, it seems like they they went in. Um, they were like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna find this ship," and then immediately got like destroyed. Yep. And they so they, <clears throat> I, I think that's when they they disappear, and show up in uh, the the old family farm. Uh, yes, Kentucky, circa 1891. Yeah, so they... Uh, did how, did, how did that land for you? Well, it felt very... I, I don't know if you watched Firefly. I have seen show. Firefly. Okay, it, it reminded me of Firefly because it was, you know, kind of an old western-y type. Uh, but I thought it was kind of funny that <clears throat> the whole crew goes, and I think they said the crew, the survivor... Maybe, no, the maximum crew uh, of the ship is 141, I believe they said. Which seems kind of low, but... Because uh, it's a huge ship. It's an intrepid class, which there's a whole... There are books on manuals of ship, and just oh. judging by the amount of crew that's on it, I'm going to guess it's a small ship. Yeah. Maneuverable. My, my dad actually had a, a poster that showed, like, the blueprints of the Enterprise. It was pretty cool. But, yeah, so 141 people. I think they lost, like, they said, like, maybe 20 or 30 in the Plasma Storm Warp. And, uh, so, you know, call it 100 people. So they, assuming all of them get teleported to Kentucky... Um, and, you know, if it was me, if I was a captain, and my whole crew got teleported to some weird house, I'd be like, hey, let's all stick together. But these dudes, like, buddy system up and just start walking around with their scanners out like they just stopped at a gas station on the way to Disney World. And (laughs) so, you know, there's, obviously, I think, like, Kim and Paris team up, and they're, like, looking around, and... Um, that's from their Snarfly training. They they know you got you got to break up into pairs and you know, yeah. figure out what's going on. They're like, hey, you know, keep your body and but yeah. So uh, you know, they fool around out there, and some of uh, the hillbillies are like, oh, come on, let's eat some goulash and play the banjo. But well, let's go down to the root cellar. Yeah, let's go have a romp in the hay. And I I can't remember who goes to the barn because they're like looking for signs of life because the people here aren't registering on their scanners. As, as life signs, but they, uh, uh, believe it's... Yeah, it's Harry and, and Tom, they... Is it Harry and Tom? Okay, so yeah, they go into the barn, and then some old lady's like, I don't think so, You where are you going? And they, you know, they get teleported out, because they, they're sensing life in the barn, so they know something's there in the barn, but they get teleported home onto the ship, and they wake up, and they're like, yo, it's been three days, and we're missing Kim. And then they find... That there's a big space station that's shooting beams of uh, energy to the fifth planet. The Array. The Array, yeah. They keep calling it the Array. And uh, then I think they also see the Marquis people, and they hail them, and Chakotay yeah. is like, hey, we're missing a person. We're missing a person. So they're missing Balana, the Klingon, right? Klingon? Half Klingon, half human. That's it. She's a half Klingon. Uh, and... So they're like, oh, okay, well, yeah, you're a space terrorist, let's team up, get over here. So they come over, and then they all go... And immediately, his, like, first mate says, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm a traitor, and... Oh, yeah, that's right. I thought that was really great. Tuvok, Tuvok the, uh, he's a Vulcan? Yeah. Yeah, you know, the, the emotionless guy, 
immediately blows his, <laughs> his cover, which I was like, that's kind of weird. He, this dude went on a deadly mission. It'd be like if a cop was undercover and like for a drug ring for like six months, and like <laughs> you run into him on the street and he's with the gang, and then you're like, what's up? Chet and he's like, my name's yeah, you're right, I am undercover. I'm like, well, not anymore. That was kind of funny. Uh, I guess it maybe it speaks to the gravity of the situation that Chicote was just like, oh, well, you guys suck. Yeah, uh, yeah. but we are we are very far away from home. <laughs> and he doesn't seem very mad. I yeah, think he's he, just like whatever. I think he ruminates on it for all of like twenty seconds. He's like, that sucks, dude. I thought you were my friend. He's like, I am your friend. He's like, well, okay, if you say so. So they then. Uh, they follow the energy sources to the planet. I think they run into Neelix, who, as a child, was one of my favorites. Probably because he looks so goofy. Um, they did a great job on his makeup and making him look like a weird alien man. And he, he's a cat boy. <laughs> he, yeah, he's a cat boy. And, he's, and he just wants some water, man. He just wants water. He's trying to grift them, uh, only to find out like he, he's the one who really needs help. Uh, they don't need his help. He needs their help. But they pick him up, and they're like, yeah, take us uh, to this planet. And he, I think he tells them probably about Okampa, and they, uh, I don't remember the names of the other Yeah, he basically there. uses them to, uh, he's like, hey, you guys, uh, I can help you out here. Um, you can make water infinitely much. Uh, and basically he has them make a bunch of water, take it to these guys so he can use them to, like, save his girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, he, he, really, he really grifted them hard. Uh but in the it was a really nice grift. He was just like, "Hey, we can be mutually beneficial here, but I'm just not gonna tell you exactly what's gonna happen here." You would think he could just be like, "Listen, they do know about the Okampa and these people underground, but they've got my girlfriend. If you help me save her, it won't be too hard because you could create the thing that is worth its weight in gold to these people." Uh, that's what's really nice about Star Trek is that yeah, like for if you were to approach a Starfleet officer and that, that that would probably work, but I'm thinking that they're trying to say that like it's a dangerous place and like you don't you you don't know who to like it's not always great to be truthful because you could just get you know screwed. Yeah. Plus, they're, I mean, they're on the opposite side of the galaxy. They they don't know. Maybe things are different here. Um, but yeah, and I think it's funny they teleport into giant containers of water uh, when they're at the alien camp. The Kazon. The Kazon. And, uh... Who are Mad Max Oompa Loompas. Yeah, they... <laughs> the, uh... The, the makeup or, or just, like, the general, um... Visual presentation of the leader of the Kazon looks really bad. It looks like a different show. I was like, what? This guy's weird looking. Um, but they then immediately destroy all the water that they teleport in. I really hope that they can truly create an infinite amount without any resources. Yeah, actually, as we, we that is going to come back, because uh, eventually they're like, oh, shit, we're running out of... Oh, spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> I like, mean, you have to have the resource man management pro yeah. problem. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, they, they, they basically dump like a thousand gallons of water on the ground just to spite these poor aliens, who they do later. I'm pretty sure they kill them, or they basically leave them to die. At but, the very end, they, they say uh, that, well, because, right, like, they're, they're on this thing, and then at, towards the end, like, the same people show up, but now they have spaceships. They yeah. can make intergalactic spaceships, That's but what they I can't make fun. water. <laughs> I did think that was interesting, but I guess you could always leave it up to, like, oh, the, the caretaker um, is is doing that, which they reveal uh, the Kazon is, uh, or they, they say that the caretaker basically has a, like, a underground base that the energy that's getting beamed to the planet is 
uh, giving them energy and leads their society while these dudes are left on the surface to fend for themselves. And if they can't find water, I just really don't understand how they live, but whatever. Other side of the galaxy. I, I think the the idea it's very like, you know, like Mad Max, like they're they, they like they're raiders. They, they they find other people and take water from them. It's like a, a, a by force kind of thing. Oh yeah. That makes sense. So then I think the uh, the next important plot beat is that uh, Kim and Balana wake up in the Ocampa area, um, which that really just boils down to that we're abducted by aliens, and and <laughs> and the uh, the guy who they think is the caretaker at first, but he isn't. He's just obviously like the leader of some weird religion. He tells them they have space cancer and will die because they also have weird like boils and stuff. Boils. Yeah. I'm, and you know, I'm not really sure actually what that is. Uh, I was calling it the caretaker crabs. Uh, Maybe that's what it was. I know they say something like they weren't compatible, but it's like, well, if you find out that it's because basically they can't procreate with them, it's like, why would they get... I guess maybe it is an ST. Yeah. Like, did, well, he, did he try to have sex with these people while they were unconscious? And I, I like that they <laughs> they send them, and the, like, the Ocampa are like, oh yeah, the caretaker sends us these, you, you guys who have these, you know, this, like, sickness from time to time. And uh, it's our job to, to cure you of it, and we have a great track record of zero successes, and yeah. everyone who has it has died. And it's hap- been happening for thousands of years. Like, oh, cool. Um, yeah, so these people live underground uh, in a really cool utopian society. They don't really get too into the weeds on exactly how shit happens around there, which is probably for the better, uh, because, you know, it seems like it'd be pretty boring sitting around watching TV all day. Uh and just drinking water, which I guess is what they do. But so, uh, Balana is like, come on, Kim, you beta, let's escape. Uh, yeah, she was, there was some, like, mild, there was some <laughs> some bullying going on. Yeah, she's like, come on, we're gonna escape. I think they run into another person who tells them where there's some tunnels that they can escape. Yeah, yeah, somebody's like, hey, uh, there's, like, this old versus new thing going on. Like, all of the old Ocampa are like, it's cool, we just let the caretaker take care of us. And the young people are like, nah. Yeah, because I, I don't remember if they say anything, but, like, are the Ocampa immortal? Or do they... No, they they live for nine years. Oh yeah, well yeah, they uh, the Kesson did say that about uh, Kess. Um, is her name Kess? Her name is Kess. Yeah. They they'd said that about her, but I'm like, well, I mean, is that Earth years or is that? Yeah, I, I believe it's it's Earth years because I know it comes up uh, later on. Well, the uh, seven seasons does she die before the end? Of, well, I, I guess you don't have to tell me. Um, so, then. Oh, well, yeah, like we were just saying. Uh, so they, the um, back on the surface, they saved uh, Neelix's girlfriend, Kess, and she tells them that she escaped because she's in Ocampa and that there's cracks in the security barrier that blocks the scanners and, and all that good stuff. So they, uh, again, are like, well, we need to find cracks in the barrier and then get in, and then, boom, they're in. Uh, you well, don't have I... to watch them find all this crap. They're just there. And I don't mean, I don't think they're, like, in the tunnels. I mean, they, like, are... They, the next scene is them like walking into the main room of yeah. the Ocampa thing and they're or they, they just beam straight in actually. yeah like they, they are walking in like the vegetable gardens <laughs> of the Ocampa in the very next scene yeah which is which is great uh, and then it, you know they explain themselves and like hey we're just here to find our people and take them home and the the main church guy is like whoa I don't think so and I think yeah I think at that point Kess is like uh Hey, old man, you and the caretaker can shove it. We're, 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 we want to get out of here. Yeah. Uh, the the caretaker can't take care of us forever. Oh, and it, actually, I think between, right before the scene, I believe 
Janeway and Paris go back to the, Kentucky. Somehow they teleport back to Kentucky. They never really explain that. But then they, they, they go to the barn and find the old man, the, the caretaker. And he says, oh, I don't have much time left. And they're like, what do you mean? He's like, not any time. They're like, well, what do you mean? Not enough time to do what? No time. And so, obviously, it's that this, this entity, the caretaker, is dying. Um, yeah, Tuvok puts it together as they're, like, walking. He's like, I... I'm going to use my, my galaxy brain to deduce that the caretaker must be dying. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> it, you know, it's a story as old as time. And so they, I think they, they might break through a little bit of an illusion in, while they're in there too. And they see that, actually, it might have happened in the scene before. And then and they, they find where, like, Kim or, I, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, but, so, they're they're in the Ocampa facility and they, they, like an earthquake starts happening, or, or the array starts sending a different color yeah, yeah. energy. Uh, that's where Tuvok, there's, he, they, he, yeah, it makes the earth start shaking. Tuvok's like, oh, the caretaker must be dying. He's sealing this place off. Yeah. Oh, and he's, yeah, he's sealing it. So they, uh, and they've got like five years of energy left or something, and then they're going to die. But um, they are running, trying to escape the, you know, the crew of the Voyager slash the Marquis. They are, uh... They're climbing up into the rafters. Going through the tunnels. And they go through a tunnel, and there's, like, an energy field. And I think it's Kess is like, don't touch that. And someone's like, what'll happen? And she's like, it'll... It'll burn you, or kill you, basically, if you touch it. And I think it's funny that no one's, like, helping anyone through this tiny little gap that they're having to squeeze through. That's a good point. <laughs> because there's an earthquake happening. I'm like, man, all it's gonna take is, like, your knee's gonna hit that. And I'm like, just give him a hand. But they... So they get through, and uh, I think a couple people get left behind... Yeah, at this point, we have re reunited with Bellana and Harry. Yeah. Um, with Tom Paris, uh, Bellana, Harry, and Kess, and maybe Neelix is there. Um, they they get out. Yeah, and Jane. Jane Jane Chikote? Chikote and Tuvok are kind of they're they're a little further. Yeah, back. they're running behind, and they, uh, which they don't stay running behind too long. They they catch up. Yeah, um, Tom Paris and uh, Neelix go back to 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 help them out, um, and it's at that point that. Uh, Chakotay's like, oh no, I'm gonna die. He's like stuck. Yeah, and, he's on a ladder and it's falling. And Tom Paris goes and he's like, I gotcha. And Yummy. at this point, <laughs> at this point, he he berates his Native American heritage and it's like, I'm gonna save you. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, he says some slightly problematic, racist <laughs> things, and then uh, he's like, all right, Chakotay. And then then he picks him up, fireman carries him out. Um, I think in the meantime, Neelix had teleported uh, the other people home while he ran back to help. Yeah, and. Um, oh, we never even talked about the doctor. We'll talk about him later. Yeah. So, uh, they, they get back on the ship and they're like, well, I guess it's time to go home, but they can't because now the Kazan, uh, turns out they, like you said, can't get water, but they have spaceships. Um, and not just spaceships, they have a huge one. And there's some dog fighting, you know, a lot of, uh, mentions of, uh, like, you know, ignite the forward warp thruster coils and, you know, Got some transferred into battle. the void spring. And it's like, what does that mean? And uh, it, I guess it doesn't matter. But they, uh, Chakotay suicides his ship into them and then teleports away at the last second, which was a pretty cool scene. It seemed like maybe not the best maneuver. Well, uh, it, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, but at that time, he thinks he's going to be able to just get, you know, transported back to where he came from true 
And but in the act of actually doing that, he he sets up a uh, essentially the the next events that uh, are our classic Star Trek Voyager like plot, where they are now faced with a moral quandary because uh, when he hits the Kazon ship, it slams into the array yes. and it deactivates the self destruct sequence that the caretaker had set up, and basically the caretaker says. Yo, I was trying to have babies with people, um, but now I'm dying, um, and I need to destroy this because if the Kazon get it, they're gonna kill the Okampa. Yeah. And Voyager or Janeway's like, "No, man, I need this to get home." And he's like, "Well, I'm gonna die now and turn into a coral." And you're basically <laughs> left with the question of you can uh, not destroy this, save yourself, but the Okampa will be slaughtered by the Kazon once you you leave, or you can destroy it and save the Okampa for, I guess, at least five years. Yeah, and then they die. Um, and Oh, and I guess there's, in between there, there's some, she gives uh, the caretaker some parenting advice. She's like, yeah, you can let them live on their own, man. Oh, I thought that was funny. This, you know, millennia-old uh, whatever he is, uh, Blob, that yeah. uh, is now a human, uh, as our human privilege is want to do it comes in and gives the perfect advice and he's like you're right i've been so blind this whole time uh and so they what do they do they protect the array at this point no yeah the, no they blow it up do they blow it up yeah they, they blow it up so that the Kazon cannot uh have it and essentially uh c- cement the 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 episode or the the series by basically now they're they're trapped seventy thousand light years away from home yeah and they mention um, because that's, that's just about the end of it, other than, um... Yeah, I think it closes with Janeway giving, like, an inspiring speech, and is like, now we are, we're one crew, Starfleet and Marquis, we're gonna let our Tom Paris Observer, we're gonna promote this guy to lieutenant. Yeah, that's right, they promote the terrorists, they give, they give them all badges and suits, um, the Kazon leader does tell... We are your enemies now. Yeah, you got an enemy. I'm sure they will never show up again, um, (laughs) in 150 episodes, and then... Someone mentions uh, that the that it's a seventy five year journey back, and it's seventy thousand light years. So I, I was like, okay, so that means they can move about a thousand light years a year, so like three light years a day. So they're moving pretty fast. Um, and I do. It is also funny that Chakotay gets put as the second in command. He doesn't just get integrated into the crew. It would be I'm like imagine being the third in line. Or something in that ship. I don't know who it was. Probably all well, the. I guess the original <laughs> second officer. All of the like, all the uh, roles that the marquee people end up taking. All of those people died. Well, yeah, but like, okay, so you're uh, the third in line to be the king of England, and uh, you just got your brother and your dad ahead of you, and then your brother dies. And you're like, yes, I'm second in line. But then some other dude comes in and he's like, actually, I'm your dad's friend. And not really friend, we're actually sort of enemies. And like, now he's second in line. Well, that's kind of some bullshit. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe they died. I guess people on in Starfleet and in the future are nice enough to recognize that Chakotay has the experience. He does. Um, and they, they eventually, I think, I don't know if they explained it in this episode, but in later episodes, the, the, the logic behind putting him there is so that the two crews can, can integrate uh, well. So basically, that the the marquee crew has they feel like they are represented at the table because right, makes like, sense. Otherwise, they would just kind of be indentured servants, right? Like yeah, it, it, yeah, and we got we got to stay away from space slavery. <laughs> but yeah, so they they also had the doctor that we never mentioned, but he's the hologram, and I did remember that he was a hologram. I didn't realize he didn't have a name. 
um, until I looked up the character list. But I, I remember always liking him because he's like him and Neelix, in my memory, are the comedic relief. Uh, oh, yeah, more or less. Uh, the Doctor is one of my favorite characters. Neelix is one of my least favorite characters. Why, why don't you like Neelix? He's so much fun. He's uh, a cat boy. He eventually goes from being uh, kind of roguish uh, to being more of a, like, <laughs> feelings. Let's talk about our feelings. Oh, uh, yeah. He, he's more of, like, a, an emotional... Uh, he has a lot of emotional beats. Oh. Maybe I didn't see his uh, those episodes when I originally watched it as a kid. But, yeah, so... Uh, so that's pretty much the episode. Uh, you know, I would make a prediction on what's going to happen next, but who who knows? They're so far from home. I'm sure they'll run into aliens. Um, I mean, just I'll look at the title of the next episode. It's Parallax. So it could be anything. Who knows what will happen? But... I guess after watching this first episode, like, would you have continued watching the series? Oh, yeah, I mean, probably. I, you know, I like space stuff a lot. But I don't really like space media, I guess. Like, movies and TV shows. I guess it depends. I really, you know, Firefly is one of my favorite shows. Probably because it's so short and sweet. Um, and because they didn't have time to ruin it. It's like, you know, people are always talking like, oh, they should bring Firefly back. And I'm like, absolutely not. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't want another season of Firefly. Like, while I wish they had kept it going back then, there's no way I want them to kowtow to fan service 20 years later and absolutely ruin a good thing um but yeah so i like firefly i like you know space video games um some space movies i i guess like the really hard science fiction stuff i never got super into basically star trek and star wars i don't really like star wars at all but that's not necessarily because of the plot or setting it's mostly just because of the you know company that owns it and the people that run it but and the plot kind of sucks of Star Wars, but yeah, I've I've never <laughs> deep cuts here, un, <laughs> unpopular. I I'm not a huge fan of Star Wars. I yeah, and Star Trek has been one of those like it, it's never been something that I was a huge fan of, but it's not something I disliked because I just never really watched it. I, I knew Star Trek was like a, a a Buffy the Vampire Slayer in space, basically. Yeah, I think that's a good uh, I think that's a good description. Yeah. But the question stands again. Would you have like so? It's nineteen ninety five. You you I'm just four years old. You're four years old. And you just sixty four hasn't come out yet. Uh, and you, you see this. You see this episode. You know, there's other stuff on TV. Would you have? Would you have tuned in next week to see what happens to the Voyager crew? If I was actually four years old, probably not. Um, if it was, I don't know. It's hard to say these days because with the way TV works, you have to. You're actually. You have to be willing to watch something. Like if I click a show on Netflix or Hulu. So, I mean, it's because I intend to watch it. But, yeah, I guess if I'd seen that episode, I I don't know. I might give it a few uh, a few to go. I, obviously, now I'm going to watch it because I know. It, I mean, it's Star Trek. It's, it's, it's popular for a reason. Um, and because, you know, I'm just kind of curious. And, and I also I have a lot of friends like you and a few other people who are big Star Trek fans. And it's always fun to have something to talk to your friends about. Um but, yeah, I, w- I would have probably kept watching, at least a little bit back in the day. If I had not already known what Star Trek was when I watched this, I, I probably would... I did not enjoy the first episode very much, but because I know... And I don't know if this is a thing with... It, it, I feel I can't recall how the first season of Deep Space Nine goes, but the first seasons of Star Trek series typically 
they they take a while for the the characters because it's a really really character driven show. Yeah, it's like uh, Lost. Yeah, and, and so it takes a while to to kind of to build up. But this first episode, uh, it, they were trying to. It was there was a lot of action, uh, but they they had some of the, the good elements. Um, but I I wish I could recall the first time I watched it uh, whether or not I would have continued watching it. But I know that. Uh, rewatching it, I was like, man, this is this is a lot to watch again. Yeah. Uh, typically, when I re- rewatch uh, like all of Voyager, I, I typically skip this episode uh, because <laughs> it sets up the plot, and I know the plot. Uh, it's also a pilot, and a lot of times with pilot episodes, it was the one that they didn't. Well, I guess with Star Trek, it might be different, but like usually the pilots are different because they're filmed like way ahead of time uh, on almost a, a completely different set, so that they could have something to show to producers and get a budget and everything. The amount of, like, explosions and space battles that happened in this episode were, I was like, man, they had a pretty big budget to make this. They they did. We we mentioned that while we were watching it, because Caroline said uh, that the CGI was actually not awful in this for a show that came out in 1995, which it, it really isn't. You know, it mostly holds up. The array, when it explodes in the end, is, like, some classic Star Trek bullshit where it looks like someone held a sparkler up in front of the camera and you know it might have been that <laughs> it like. probably was i mean i've seen videos explaining how they did like a lot of the special effects in the original star trek i felt like maybe that might have just been an homage because it looked really bad oh no i mean that's that's stuff. that is going to cons- like they it doesn't get better <laughs> oh okay <laughs> so it wasn't that bad but it's it, it looked like even well i mean you've probably seen the first original star wars movie when the death star explodes yeah. It straight up looks like they took a basketball, painted it like the Death Star, and threw bottle rockets at it. Uh, so the array did that when it exploded in this episode. But some of the like the CGI and the the uh, not planes, the ships was was pretty decent. Um, I think I don't know if there was any weird creatures or anything that had CGI, but the CGI. Oh yeah, the, the the caretaker. He turns into like a blob. He like fades yeah. in and out. He looks like the final boss in the Water Temple in Ocarina of Time, but. Uh, yeah, Caroline mentioned that their CGI was pretty good. I was like, well, you gotta remember, this is Star Trek. This isn't the first or even the second or third Star Trek. This is the... I guess it's technically the fourth one, but the original series is kind of, like, removed. Yeah, I was like, this is... I mean, this is a series that is beloved, and this is probably the peak of Star Trek's popularity. I mean, they got... Yeah, at this point, you they know, have two shows going on yeah, simultaneously. Yeah, they got two or three, two, three Although shows Voyager, and movies being made. Although Voyager, I think, is historically, like, one of the people, the fans of Star Trek are not a huge fan of Voyager. Oh, well, I mean... I love it. It's, it, it's tied for my, my... I have a really hard time choosing of my favorite series, which one. It's either Voyager or The Next Generation, and uh, I always have a really hard time picking. Yeah, my, my buddy, who I told him that we were going to do this and that I was going to start watching it, he said Voyager's his favorite, um, so... At least some people like it. I think I like it because it has that that good blend of um, it's got the that the mid '90s had of stuff was sufficiently advanced in media to where they were using practical effects and stuff still and plot lines, but not so advanced like the stuff we have nowadays. Where like, eh, sure, there's some good stuff, but it it makes me sad when I watch a sci-fi show nowadays and it's just like all CGI. Yeah. Hear that, Captain Star Trek Picard? Yeah, exactly. Or you know, anytime so, there's a thirty-minute sequence where no one says anything and it's just like, I'm like, all right, that's enough. <laughs> yeah. So they, so yeah, they had a decent budget. It seemed like on this show that they were kind of given uh, a blank check, like, yeah, do whatever you want, you know. And uh, so they had some decent CGI, and um, so the pilot. I mean, they weren't trying to impress producers to get money, so maybe the pilot doesn't 
uh, or is is an active representation of the rest of the series. Oh, it is not. Oh well, um, I I have heard that uh, the show gets a lot better around the end of season two. Yeah, because that's when seven and nine shows up. Is it? Yeah, the beginning of season three. I remember her. I remember her being pretty cool, and she is by far my favorite character. And yeah, I, I guess I'll see as as I continue watching, which uh, you know I'll probably end up watching maybe the next two or three episodes before we record again, just because it I, I it, it sucks because I want to watch the show because I don't have any good shows that we're watching right now, uh, but I also don't want to just last through a whole season and then go to record this and be like yeah i don't remember what happened because i watched the whole season yeah that would be that would be hard because I, I definitely I, it's fresh on my mind because uh, i watched it like right before i came over here so yeah. uh, i i have a, a very crisp memory of it um but yeah I, I think i think we're through the episode i think that's it yeah uh and i'm trying to think if there's you know any other uh, uh oh, who's things. your who's your like first impression who is your favorite character or I guess I mean, who, who did you like? Who did you not like? I guess in in I like I don't know I like all of them. Uh, as far as not liking, I mean I feel like uh, yeah I don't know I, I like Catherine Janeway for the reasons I said earlier that she seems like a super nice captain, even when Paris calls her uh, or Kim calls her sir in the beginning, which is a uh, I mean that's a thing with the Navy that even female and it happens in like uh modern shows like the expanse like female captains they're still called sir but she's like listen you don't call me sir and he's like okay ma'am she's like don't call me that either call me captain uh she seems pretty cool uh tom paris again uh i like him he he seems like he's gonna be the uh like the the advisor who you know is is willing to make the tough choices like no, Captain, fuck the Ocampa, let's ditch it and, and run. Maybe not like that, but uh, I guess uh, Neelix really hasn't had a chance to do much yet. Chakotay, also, he didn't really get a chance other than uh, beaming out before the, the ship exploded. The Doctor just ran around like, this Man, is... Let's, this let's talk about the Doctor for a minute, because he, was, he, was he just did not have time for, for their, their bullshit. He was like... He didn't. He's like, who are all these people in my facility please leave this. turn off my program like give him 30 cc's of this and use a uh what do they call their tricorders medical tricorder like, that's not a medical tricorder that's the normal kind now why they can't do both i don't know but uh it, yeah tuvok tuvok's cool because he uh, i feel like him and the doctor tuvok and the doctor could have some cool scenes because of the doctor is a robot or a hologram and tuvok is basically a robot um yeah, the Doctor... I, I, I'm looking forward to him and Neelix shenanigans. Uh, oh, there are so many shenanigans to be had. Oh, yeah, I mean, there's like 200 episodes of this show. There's there's shenanigans galore. Uh, Harry Kim, yeah, he's he's the he's the silly guy who's gonna... Uh, who's naive and is going to have the arc of uh, either dying at the end of the first season, um, which is a prediction I'm gonna make now, uh, that Harry Kim dies at the end of season one. All right, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Harry Kim dies season or episode or the end of season one, <laughs> and uh, it'll it'll end his character arc of growth of learning to be a cool space captain or a space man. Um, yeah, and just on this character list, half of these people I don't know who, who <laughs> Q or Ikeb or I know Riker is from a different season of Star Trek, isn't he? He is. Yes, uh, there is there it? are several. On Didn't here. Will Wheaton play Riker? No, Will Riker is. Uh, Will Wheaton is, uh, man, I cannot believe my mind is, because uh, he's the doctor on Star Trek The Next Generation Sun, 
Uh, I hate the Doctor on The Next Generation. They should have kept uh, the lady they had in season two. Oh my god, boy genius. Uh, Owen. No. <laughs> Crusher, Beverly Crusher, that's his mom's name, so his name is something Crusher. Wesley Crusher is his Wesley name. Crusher. And everyone loves to hate him because he's a little boy. Uh, oh, I hate Will Wheaton, and I'm glad he's not in this show. Um, yeah, I don't know who Reginald Barclay or Rain Robinson, played by Sarah Silverman, the comedian. Yeah, so some of these uh, characters, just they're like one-off appearances, uh, but... So, uh... Captain Rudy. Main characters here, we've got Seven of Nine, Catherine Janeway, Kess, Tom Paris, Neelix, Chakotay, The Doctor, Tuvok, Harry Kim, uh, I guess Naomi Walt, she's more of a supporting character, Icheb will show up later, uh, Bolana Torres is a main cast, um, and on this list, that's, that's all of the, the main cast. Yeah, I like uh, I like most of the characters that we've met so far. I'm looking forward to meeting some others. I just looked at the Wikipedia thing. It says that uh, that the caretaker this episode won two Emmys. Holy crap! For outstanding individual achievement in oh in the t- in, in the- main title theme music. That's a cool award to get, I guess. <laughs> outstanding individual achievement in main title theme music. Uh, that's specific. Did that's... you did you skip the title? Did you yeah. skip the theme? No, because that was the first bit of that was like uh, you have nostalgia for stuff that like uh, you know you you play a, a video game that you played a bunch as a kid and you're like oh I remember this and um, maybe you, you watch a match of the Undertaker versus Stone Cold and you're like yeah I remember this. This hit like a deep nostalgia that like I forgot existed when I heard the theme music like at on a level of like I couldn't remember the theme music like. But I was like, somewhere deep down in my brain, I was like, I remember this. Like, in a weird way. Like, I, like I said, I don't remember any of the characters other than just visually. Uh, ex- aside from maybe the, the captain, like, I remember her being nice and Neelix being, like, sort of a comedy character. I, the others, I could not tell you the first, you know, characterization trait. But, uh, yeah, that it hit that deep nostalgia. And, yeah. Did you expect it to go on for as long as it does? It's like... The theme... You- yeah, it's long. It, I think I got up and got a drink or something. Actually, I listened. I listened to it from the kitchen, but uh, I didn't realize how long it was. I mean, it's it's good, and it's a very like uh, it's this like nice like you know uh, kind of like classical you know atmosphere music, and you get all these nice like cool space scenes. But it lasts for like a minute. Does it? <laughs> yeah, I don't know how long it, it actually runs, but it's it's long, especially compared to like today where it's like a ten second. You know. That was the '90s, man. People having long, long intros. Game of Thrones is like that. Game of Thrones had a super long intro. Yeah. It was a good one. It had a fun music, but I'd still skip it every time because I don't really want to see it. I mean, the, you you obviously don't know this, but the the one for uh, Deep Space Nine is is very identical. It's very long, uh, and it's just kind of like some atmospheric music, and you're seeing you know. Uh, I do know it, scenes in the Voyager intro. They they fly the ship underneath a solar flare, which seems dangerous. Oh boy, yeah, uh, no. Uh, like it's you know the big like arc coming off of a sun, and they're just like phew, like it's. Uh, a ring and a... In real life, maybe. In Star Trek, sometimes it's dangerous, sometimes it's not. It just depends whether or not they need something dangerous. Do they ever go to the sun in Star Trek? Uh... <laughs> I mean, land on the surface. Uh, there is, uh, I don't know, remember if it's in Voyager, or if it is in Deep Space Nine, or if it's in Star Trek Enterprise. I think it's in Enterprise, where at some point, they meet some aliens, and they basically go on, like, in, like, a submarine into a sun. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes... <laughs> Do they, at, the, at the end of this series, seven seasons, 
is the last episode then like getting back to Earth and like yeah we- spoiler alerts bro <laughs> like they just pull up and people are like yo it's just like a big circle jerk where have you been it's uh, been so long I I can't answer that question um, <laughs> because I remember. As a kid. How would you feel if after watching seven seasons, <laughs> they just die? <laughs> I, yeah, it would be... Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, if you ask me how this show could possibly end... I, like I said, I, I remember as a kid thinking, like, oh, I can't wait to see the episode where they get home. I, I, you know, I don't remember what I thought was going to happen, but I just assumed on my like, they're going to pull up to the house. But uh, I'm really hoping that... They don't like make it home in season three, and are like, "All right." They do not. I can. I can. I can. Okay. They do not make it home in season three. Like, if if you tell me it's seven seasons of them trying to get home, like that's cool. But if you tell me it's actually three seasons of them trying to get home, and then they leave again for something else, I'm like, "Well, that's not as cool." But whatever. But yeah. So uh, they also had the Emmy for outstanding individual achievement and in special visual effects, which yeah, like we said, there was pretty good CGI, so that's cool. Uh, some people rank that episode seventh best in the series. I sure hope not. Um, yeah, I, that would not be. Uh, I don't know who uh, the people are that did that, but I would not. Den of Geek. That would. That is. Uh, like I said, uh, I probably. I don't re- rewatch that episode when I, I turn this back on. Uh, yeah, it, it looks like a lot of people. Well, it. it okay, so that was 2012. They rated it. Well, in 2017, they rated it again in the top 50 episodes. So it sounds like of all Star Trek. Oh, wow. That's impressive. Um, maybe they don't know what they're talking about. Sci-Fi ranked it as the fourth best out of the six main Star Trek pilots. That's... I mean, I would say... I mean, it was cohesive. Uh, the original series pilot is terrible. Um, the I honestly can't recall most of the pilots because I think I skipped them for the most part. Hmm. Well, it looks like there's a novel. It's 278 pages. Oh, that's, we should read that up. We should read that as a follow-up. <laughs> It has an audiobook version. It says in the first season of Voyager, it's estimated the return journey will take 75 years in the last episode. Whoops, spoilers. I'm not going to read it. I'm assuming it doesn't take 75 years because that would be a, a, uh, a boring series if it's like 25 years later. It's their children now. That doesn't happen, does it? Well, they don't do a time skip that's like 40 years and it's I, their kids now. So yeah, Voyager is actually a generational ship, Gadrian. Uh, eventually, you know, you you replace all of the characters, and you that's you know, all these characters that you don't know who are. They are eventually who. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, that one says it's Billy uh, Janeway. It's <laughs> Catherine Janeway's kid, and uh, she has a kid with two Um, so okay, so the different aliens we got Klingons. 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 Are, are there any full-blooded Klingons in the show? Uh, I'm almost positive at some point they run into some full-blooded Klingons, but they... Uh, the main crew doesn't have There's anything. no main Klingon on, on the crew. Probably because it's a pain in the ass to wear that makeup. I was looking at Balana in the episode, and I was thinking, okay, the forehead thing has to be like some kind of plate, almost like a wig. Yeah, I think it's like a like a foam thing that they put on. Yeah, I bet that was a son of a bitch to wear the whole time. And then the ear shit that Neelix has, well, and I guess that's... That's how you know someone's an alien in Star Trek, because they have funny ears. Or, or like a bridge row. They do bridge rows a lot. Like they, yeah, because uh, Neelix looks like his face got split open. Um, or dots on the forehead. like. Bumps. But So they did have a, uh, in The Next Generation, one of the main characters is a Klingon, so maybe they didn't want to go too far there. Um, but it, there's also the fact that Klingons are like really proud, warlike people, and like wouldn't really mesh well on a Star Trek crew. 
Um, the only reason that it happened before is because the Klingon guy was raised by humans. So the wharf? Yeah, wharf. Yeah, he, I remember that. He or was I know it, I guess. Raised by humans, so he he's much more more docile and like accepting of like Starfleet ideals. Yeah. Um, because as you can tell from Balana, she is a uh, she is a, a firecracker. So. So she's half Klingon. Then Tuvok is a Vulcan. Yes. Uh, I don't know anything about them other than the Spock, you know, hand symbol thing. So Tuvok. Uh, and that they're, like, emotionless. Yeah, Vulcans are, are beings of pure logic. They uh, live for a really long time. They're super strong. They have some, like, uh, they have green blood. Um, but, yeah, it's mostly, like, they're, they're very logical people. And then, so, I guess, what other what other alien species are on the ship that are uh, main characters? I guess... Uh, Kess is an Okampa. Yeah, which uh, is basically just a human. Yeah. Uh, I don't even think she has funny ears. She does have funny ears. I think she, okay. They all have funny ears. Uh, Neelix, he, he's a Talaxian. That's the race that he is. Is uh, Chakotay human? Chakotay is human, yeah. He, he is actually of Native American heritage, which is why... Oh, uh, I thought that was just some weird... Nope, that will come up multiple times. Really? Not not the uh, not like the, the racial slur parts, but uh, the <laughs> fact that he is from... Like, he has, like, a Native American heritage. That really comes up. Well, that's, that's odd, because they're in, like, future space. You think they just, like, we devolved past, you know, 600 years in the future, however many years, that we would stop mentioning people's nationality, especially when we all live in space. And I'm guessing a lot of these people probably haven't even been to Earth. Uh, well, I guess two of them were on Earth in the beginning of the show, but yeah, I mean, uh, so even with like you know, John Luke Picard is from from French. He's French, like uh, oh, with a name like that. Yeah, um, there, there I can't recall. There, there are definitely episodes that dive deep into to that. Um, but it's like a very modern version of like Native Americanism. Hmm. Um, we're gonna, I think of. The, the characters that we've met so far, though, I mean, we're, you know, there, are, there, are lots of, there are lots of alien races that we're going to meet. Uh, but of the main cast, I think that's all of them. So just Vulcans, Klingons, and humans. And Talaxian. The, yeah, Talaxian and Okampa. And, and eventually we will, we will get Seven of Nine, and she is, she is something different as well. Um, it's got to be a, like a Borg, right? She is a Borg, yeah. Yeah, I know them with the cubes. They're the ones with the cubes and the assimilate or perish. They are my favorite thing about Star Trek. So I can't wait for them to uh, revisit the Okampa, find out they're all dead, <laughs> um, and get attacked by the Kazan, Kazan again. Um, and, oh, and I guess one thing that we didn't mention is how they got across the galaxy, or, or why exactly... Uh, well, maybe I guess we did mention it, because the caretaker was, was sucking people in. To make babies with him. But just how exactly he did it. Because he, he never really mentioned, other than just, like... I yeah, mean, I, th- I think it was, like, through the power of technology, and I'm doing, like, some jazz hands here, to inf- inf- basically he used his advanced technology to, to kind of pull them in. Yeah, because I, I vaguely remember them mentioning, like, oh, uh, I, ca- I can't tell you how I got you across the galaxy, but maybe that was just a... He didn't have time. Yeah, maybe it was just a, a, a plot write-off. But cool, okay. So I can't wait to watch the next episode. Yeah, me either. I, I look forward to talking about it with you. Sweet. And then we play our credits music and the credits roll. And 